0: Really want to be present with and graceful with the way you age the way you grow and what your body needs and that means being in touch with yourself and that's really the key to what I learned I, I it wasn't only about them or what they were doing or what they weren't doing it was like what can I do I mean that was really the turning point for me how am I going to engage in my own care And I'm going to ask for collaboration. And I have to say, to this day, I don't always get it. You know, to this day, I have to still fight and say, I'm so sorry, you don't get to make that choice for me. I'm not going to do that. Or, I'm sorry, I want these blood tests. And if I have to pay out of pocket for them, I will. And aren't I lucky and privileged that I get to do that? A lot of people can't. So we need, that's, you know, I'm very into, kind of begging the culture to start really looking at what the population they're dealing with is and to respect them and to give them the care they need and to teach them how to care for
1: themselves. Today, my guest is Alison Post from the San Francisco Bay Area. She is a healing artist and somatic educator who brings to our conversation a beautiful, calm, and open way of working with clients who have many different representations of health challenges. She uses science-based somatic bodywork to heal in an incredibly transformational way. Here's what one of her clients wrote about her work. Allison's work has transformed my life through her extensive knowledge of anatomy and acute intuition. She has helped me literally retrain my body. I now breathe in a whole new way, have much better digestion and a whole lot more energy. I can't thank her enough for the gift of health and quality of life. Well, in this podcast, we talk about how to get into a more connected relationship with our bodies. What modalities can help to release trauma, pain, and other embodied experiences that may be contributing to health issues. We connect the gut microbiome, gut permeability, and stress Her background in education combines Ayurveda, craniosacral therapy, somatic practice, traditional Chinese medicine, psychology, and so much more. And make sure to stay until the end where she leads us through a beautiful grounding practice. So as always, thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation on how to empower yourself to heal your body. All right, so welcome, Allison Post, I'm happy to have you here, um, and that you um, got up early in your West Coast time to be with me here. Um, so what I'd like to do is just have you start off and, and share your story, which I think is so powerful for, for people to hear that, um, you know, the, the transition from conventional medicine, finding alternative methods that really worked for you. So how did that start for you? And what did you find? You know, it started
0: actually when I was a young girl, even before we talked about alternative treatments, we just went to the doctor. That was usually in our own building, actually, when I was growing up since I'm in my 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, since from when I was a child, I always knew that there were things that made me feel better that didn't make me feel better. Mm-hmm. So I was in t- very sensitive and very in touch with myself. And I did have a lot of kind of traumatic incidents when I was growing up, including a brain injury at five. Oh,
1: wow. My
0: my head went in the side of a dish uh, of a washing machine and I was playing hide and seek with my sister oh, my and, you know, I had a hole in my head. And at that time you didn't get rushed to the hospital. You got taken to the doctor and he kind of shoved it back into my head and sewed it up. And so as the years have gone by and I studied craniosacral therapy and went to osteopaths, I did find out that I have um, scar tissue Mm -hmm. in my hypothalamus and that kind of create It didn't affect my, uh, my intuition, I think it actually widened my intuition, but it and it didn't affect my cognition, thank goodness, Mm -hmm. but it did affect the way my metabolism worked um i kind of became a couch potato instead of this very active child um fell asleep a lot in the cars you know everything changed and so i i kind of noticed that as a young child and i took note of it Mm -hmm. um and so as i grew i noticed the things that worked for me and didn't work for me and i also had a very challenging childhood with a divorced family and we had mental illness my sister had mental illness so again i took note of what would make people grounded happy how there could be a container i mean these are words of course i didn't use as a child right but as an adult i can see that i became the mediator and then i was just kind of a love bug um love kind of led the way for me in all fronts from probably the moment i was born so um. So I wasn't conventional. <laughs> um, I led with my heart and not with my head. Yeah. And then when I was uh, uh, in my late teens, I had a Dalkon Shield, which was an IUD um, that unfortunately came off the market about two and a half or three years after I had it. Um, and I had it in for about a year and a half, and I just kept getting... Uh, infections, and I didn't feel well, I'd go to the doctor, I was gaining weight. Also, I had cramps, and they were, you know, would shrug their shoulders, you know, uh, that I probably had an infection. And I was a young woman, and that's what happens to young women, and they get cramps, you know, so they kept giving me antibiotics, okay, which, of course, we know has been misused. But that was our drug of choice, then it was going to solve all problems. So they meant well.
1: Well, right, sure. They meant well. And, and the, the answer of that's just what happens to kids and, exactly. and women. And that's a, it's a common thing. But we now know that there's so many other avenues to look at. Um, I, I really love the idea that you were so intuitive as a young kid. And even at five knew that that your, your personality and your motivation for things sort of changed a little bit. Um, in terms of becoming less active and a little more um, sleepy and dozy. Um, And other people probably never noticed that. Maybe they just thought, wow, she's fine. This is just who she is, right?
0: Yes. Actually, my parents were a little worried about me. They wondered why I always fell asleep in the car. But I have to tell you that when I was about a year and a half or two years old, they actually took me to a doctor Mm -hmm. because I wasn't rushing to talk. Okay. And of course, when I did start talking, I was like full throttle talking, like full set, you know, but they thought I maybe I was retarded or there was some kind of, you know, developmental, even though I was so happy, I would eat everything and laugh and Mm -hmm. listen. Mm -hmm. I was a listener from the beginning. And the doctor just laughed at my parents and said, just calm down. She's just not in a rush, which is (laughs) also my MO. You know, I'm like, let's slow it down because there's just so much to take in so why are we always in a rush and the rush and this culture Mm -hmm. and the way they're always speeded up never really has worked for me and i grew up in manhattan in new york city wow so everybody was in a rush and i did try to kind of get on the you know i was a fast walker Mm -hmm. but other than that i was just like wow i just need more time so Yeah. yeah
1: um that's really um, interesting because you connected with your true nature, and even though you tried to—I mean, you're you're definitely in the mecca of rushing women syndrome, <laughs> right? And and not really, and always knowing that that wasn't you—that you kind of stuck with that, and you know, not talking until one or two. I, you know, my background is as a speech therapist, not with kids, but still language and speech is my, um, and head injury was really my my area. Yeah, yeah. You you understand that there's these subtle changes that can happen from anything environmentally or internally. Um, So that's a really interesting sort of start. And so, so you're a teen, you have this, um, the the IUD, uh, right? So you had that implanted and um, tell me what happened from there.
0: Well, I persevered. And then, um, I went to college um, and in my first semester at the end, I didn't feel well. I was just always bloated. My metabolism had slowed down. I just, I knew something was happening. My hair was thinning Mm -hmm. and uh, I went down to Florida on our Christmas break and I got violently ill and went to an emergency room. I had so much pain in my abdomen. And I was actually reading a book called Free and Female on the Beach. (laughs) And I was taking a course in Simone de Beauvoir and I was really into women's studies besides theater and the other things that I was studying in college. And I was reading this book and they started to talk about the dalcon, not the Dal Conchil, but an IUD mm-hmm. and about how what the effect could be, which of course I didn't know, because I was a layperson. person. I was an actor and a singer, you know, who knew about really, except for that I knew I wanted maybe to be vegetarian or I loved animals or mm-hmm. this food made me feel good, this food didn't. So I was already on that track, mm-hmm. but. I didn't know anything about medicine or about IUDs.
1: Okay.
0: And I trusted, uh, you know, fully trusted. Oh, well, this will work because I don't want to have a child out of marriage. And I I would like to have children later on. And uh, they they tested me for drugs because I was 19. And then they said, well, we're going to give you some antibiotics. We have no idea what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. But in me, I said, you know what, I'm going to get this thing out because I've had trouble since I've had it. I started to piece it together when I was in that emergency room. And I came home, my mother took me to her internist. He said, yeah, let's get this thing out. Sent me next door to the person who was not very delicate with me. And after that, the internist gave me more antibiotics, of course, because you know, I was scared of having more infections. Mm -hmm. And then I went back up to college and about the third or fourth night in my new apartment with my two beautiful roommates, I started all over again i was i can't even describe the kind of pain it was it was like people were stabbing me over and over again in my pelvis and i i could hardly walk i couldn't think i felt burning up and i crawled into their room and they took me to the infirmary where i stayed for three days Mm my my temperature continually climbing past 104. Oh my gosh. And finally they did not know what to do with me because I was in a delirium. I wasn't communicating. So they put me in a hospital and they hooked me up to IVs and they when I finally was able to talk to somebody, the doctor, who I remember so well including his name, um said, "Wow. What's with you?" You know, and I told him about having taken the doubt. Dal- I just kind of spurted it out. Mm-hmm. Um, please help me. I think it was the Stalkon shield. And he said, I have seen this. Wow. And I'm glad you're here because you're about to die. Your okay. organs are are shutting down. Wow. And uh, wow. Okay you're going to be here for a while. And lo and behold, I was there for over three weeks wow. on IV
1: antibiotics. Oh my! God. Um,
0: and you know, I have to say I'm, I am a love bug and a cheerful gal. And I was born on the right side of the bed. I could also be pretty pushy growing up in New York. So I was like demanding and I was a vegetarian, which they were not happy about. Oh, they were fair. like giving me peanuts and peanut butter every day. <laughs> they didn't know what to feed me, but you know, I just asked as many questions as I could and I couldn't get very many answers Mm -hmm. and then I it it just was like wow and he basically said you know we we're not going in there because it's so inflamed Mm -hmm. we know it's probably scarring you Mm -hmm. we don't know what will happen to you but probably it's not going to be fun oh wow you you probably won't have children and you and probably 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 yeah and i was like wow
1: um and the shield was out at that point because someone else had taken yes yes
0: yes i it had been out for about you know a week and a half or two weeks yeah and so you know i the fever came down the inflammation stopped and i just went back to college and did you know took half the semester and uh, you know just started to think how am i going to deal with this basically because i just didn't feel well and i had lost a lot of my hair particularly up front
1: oh wow and
0: i was 19 oh, <laughs> you know, i was like, that's okay you, you just did the best you could sure and i just you know was and i was in the theater to boot so um i just did the best i could and just continued on realizing that i had to find something because nobody said to me have physical therapy which we would do now Mm -hmm. or go to a pt to body work to visceral manipulation to craniosacral therapy like to all these wonderful modalities that can really help Mm -hmm. the recovery and also to supplements to understanding that uh, my bacteria was probably imbalanced at this point from all the 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 antibiotics
1: sure and that's information that was not really well known at all it was known there were pieces and parts and and little people who were doing that kind of stuff but not exactly it was not easy to find so how did you get to the point where you actually started to seek some of that stuff out or what was the first thing you sought out
0: the first thing i did was i put down my tennis racket and i and they were offering a yoga class at my college in the town. And I took a yoga class. And I have to tell you that my pain was so severe, I will be a little bit graphic here, that I would have to turn the faucet on for about 10 minutes in order to urinate.
1: Oh, wow. My
0: was so full of scar tissue and, but also terror. I mean, it was, you know, every minute was like, please, no more pain kind of thing. And then you what's happening, you're wiring that to your brain. So it it just becomes a habitual. (laughs) And so I started to find ways to be in my body with it, which was turning on that faucet. And then the yoga. I mean, I was already a singer. I knew how to use my diaphragm, right. but I only used it to sing. And certainly when you're in pain, you are holding your breath and you're in panic. Exactly. And I learned how to get out of panic, get back into my body, to move with my breath again. Mm-hmm. And it was that was the PT. That was the okay. physical therapy that I needed. But also it opened me to Ayurveda and their whole science Mm -hmm. of life and um I was already into diet which every kid was into at my in my era I tried every diet in the world but this was were you a vegetarian like you were um you know to a certain extent but of course you know like I mentioned in the book that I wrote, my mother's favorite food group when I was in utero with her was sugar. <laughs> so, and of course, everything we did at that, you know, go have ice cream or yeah. I mean, there was always dessert in my house. There were Oreos and Malamars and, you know, you just, that was that wasn't bad for you that was like a, your treat every day, every day. so uh, i was healthy but not but of course yes. i don't believe sugar is a healthy situation so, <laughs> right, um, right right so i started learning that as well because i i was like oh diets huh lifestyle i mean that was my first inkling of oh we're gonna have a whole way of eating. We're not just going to be dieting when we need to lose weight. It's actually not about losing weight. Sure. It's about feeling good. It's about sleeping better, it, you know, because that was their whole tradition. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of got into that stuff. I learned about colonics, which I didn't know about um, enemas first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, it sparked me. I wanted to know everything. Okay. So I just, every time you know, acupuncture wasn't even legal at that time, but I found somebody that was doing it. Oh
1: Um, my gosh. I didn't realize that there was a point at which acupuncture wasn't legal.
0: Well, it hadn't been, it wasn't really a thing. Like we were bringing all these things, you know, globalism, right? Right. We're bringing all these things in from other traditions and it, it, a lot of them were looked on very skeptically, oh, I can imagine. you know, and, oh, that's probably dangerous or that doesn't make sense because we were a Western country Exactly. and yep. medicine was it. But every time I entered into Western medicine, they saved my life and I will be forever grateful. And I say, we need them. Mm-hmm. I will never say anything different. Right. People that say, you know it's kind of like you know i don't want to defund western medicine let's put it that way right right. i think they need to understand where their place is Mm -hmm. in all of this
1: right and i think the collaboration is really really important i mean that's kind of what functional medicine is most of the people that i work with are mds and dos that bring in this piece of functional medicine that really supports that and then can help you in a good way move move away from some of the medications or some of the traditional treatments that for a time you might need but you don't need that, you know, ongoing forever. Exactly. I mean that's
0: for everything. That's even for the functional medicine model. Right. For a time you might need a certain supplement, but it's not something that you want to ask your liver to do all the time. I mean, exactly. you know, except for a few things, you know, sure. you really want to be present with and graceful with the way you age, the way you grow and what your body needs. And that means being in touch with yourself. And that's really the key to what I learned.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: I, so- I, It wasn't only about them
1: mm-hmm.
0: or what they were doing or what they weren't doing. It was like, what can I do? I mean, that was really the turning point for me. Empowering. How am I going to engage in my own care? Yeah, And I'm gonna ask for collaboration and I have to say, to this day, I don't always get it. Mm-hmm. You know, To this day, I have to still fight and say, I'm so sorry, you don't get to make that choice for me. Right. I'm not going to do that. Or I- I'm sorry, I want these blood tests. And <laughs> if I have to pay out of pocket for them, I will. And aren't I lucky and privileged that I get to do that? A lot of people can right. So we need, that's, you know, I'm very into kind of begging the culture to start really looking at what the population they're dealing with is and to respect them and to give them the care they need and to teach them how to
1: care for themselves and how to ask for that right because what you're saying is that you became empowered once you realized that you had a little more control over what was going on in your body than you realized the yoga connected that mind body piece you started to see here's a place where i could embrace what's going on for me rather than fighting it so much, but also still look for ways to make myself a little healthier and therefore empowering yourself to ask for those things and to to kind of be a partner in that care plan, not, you know, having it a top down model.
0: Right. And also I didn't want to make my life around visits to the doctors. Right. Or the hospitals. Um, because I was told you're probably going to have to need a certain kind of surgeries. And, you know, like they, they set me up and said, you will need this. And I was like, you know, no, um, maybe I'm open-minded. And if I get ill and I need support, which I have a couple of times, yes, I will definitely engage with you. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not from, um, anything that doesn't let me go to the doctor sure. um, and i will use them when they're appropriate but my whole world was how am i going to get the support that i really need mm-hmm. and how am i going to learn how to support myself and i just studied everything i just went i took a year of acupuncture school i studied everybody work modality I actually wanted to go to school to get my graduate degree in psychology and when I tried in my prerequisites to bring the body into the mix Mm -hmm. and this was you know in the early 80s I was kind of told no there's no such thing as the body you know we're we're dealing with the mind mind. and I was like no you, I grew up with this and what I see is that we can also help people with their bodies to feed their minds mm-hmm. whether they have a mental illness or they're just going through a crisis the body figures it. no it didn't at the time so I left that schooling okay. right. and I went into the body schooling and I just studied everything and I found out, you know, I was working with people, but as I developed by about the mid nineties, that's when I discovered craniosacral therapy, um, and being able to use a more gentle listening, um, and understanding how the body hydrates, how the fluids move, and teaching people how to feel that in themselves. Again, I've just never been the come to me every week and I'll fix that for you. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. hey, you know, let's try to feel that together right? and see if we can help you help your tissues.
1: That's beautiful. So tell me a little bit, give me um, your definition for those who may not know of craniosacral therapy and, and what that really is about.
0: Well, um, craniosacral therapy is basically what osteo osteopaths do, they're, they're kind of holding and being with a bone and getting very quiet and being able to listen to the way the tissues are lying in the body, but also how the fluids are moving and what, and it's from the, the, the cerebral spinal fluid is housed in from the sacrum up through the entire brain in tissue in connective tissue. Um, And so a lot of times um, we have restrictions in our tissues because we've had an an injury, a car accident, birth, giving birth, um, or having fear and trauma that has having us brace and hold our muscles so tight that our organs and the fascia, which is the connective tissue that surrounds everything also holds. And then instead of the birthright of how our whole structure can function and move and create all these beautiful chemicals and neurotransmitters and talk to each other because all the organs actually communicate, something happens to kind of take us off our center of that channel that Ayurveda talks about as the Sushuma, as Chinese medicine talks about, as the Central Channel, and these traditions felt this through meditation and being quiet. Mm-hmm. And osteopathy, when I first took my first craniosacral course, I was like, "This is Chinese medicine. What do you know that?" Mm-hmm. You know, and of course they didn't, because everybody studies their own field. But it is one body, and there is one way where energy rises and expands and narrows and moves down and communicates to the whole body with blood, with cerebral spinal fluid, and with all the chemicals that you need. And so craniosacral therapy helps quiet the body. It works with the vagus nerve system Mm -hmm. to relax the nervous system so that whatever tiger is chasing you (laughs) kind of slows down and no longer is chasing you and your breath starts to regulate your heartbeat starts to regulate therefore your muscles can relax your oxygen can be in your whole body not only in the fight or flight response and then suddenly your body goes oh this is this is human. I can just relax and do what I'm supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. because we have a birthright of how our body works. It's a miracle what we do every second of every day. We learn, we grow. We're always that embryo that we were developing because we do develop. We do make our stomach lining every four days and our organs every certain amount of months and our bones every certain amount of years. But if we're introducing fear Or holding or certain patterns because of an injury, then those things are hard to make. Or, you know, we start having our blood sugar problems or chemical problems or hypertension. But if we relax and we have somebody listening holding and collaborating with us mm-hmm. and we can understand like oh all is right in the world because i'm connected because somebody can hear me they're not telling me what to do mm-hmm. they're not just giving me a drug mm-hmm. they're not telling me oh you're crazy that's not really that couldn't be going on right. they're actually going oh is that what you're feeling mm-hmm. let me listen with you let's figure this out together that's beautiful it's a- it's okay that you are scared right now Mm -hmm. we're going to breathe together and we're going to wait until you're not scared i'm not going to do anything to make it too overwhelming for you Mm -hmm. we're going to take it slow my favorite thing go gentle (laughs) and slow like i was when i was a kid yeah and and we'll get there there's no rush to get there though because if we take our time like with craniosacral with these gentle but very powerful techniques Mm -hmm. we're not we're not only going to get there we're not going to have it as a Mm band-aid we're actually going to make the change your body needs and you're going to be healthy
1: so so i've got a couple questions that come up with this i mean many not just a couple many, (laughs) many questions but for the sake of you know making sure we can hit all points um when when you work with people or when someone is hearing this, like if, if I was hearing this right now, I'd think to myself, boy, what are some of the reasons that I might go see someone for craniosacral therapy? And then following the treatment and, and the sort of listening together and partnering through that um, and, and quieting that, that, that body down, um, what is the follow-up and how do people continue to keep that, as you said, empowering people so that they don't have to come back to you all the time so first of all who are the people that you would work with who should come see or who should seek out craniosacral therapy
0: um so first i want to say that when people work with me in particular they i do a combination of many different modalities depending on who's walking through my door Mm -hmm. i work with babies Mm -hmm. i work with children teenagers and everybody through their 90s okay so there isn't a population there is some anybody that's having trouble breathing, pooping, <laughs> um, um, swallowing their food, um, oh, yeah. children that can't sleep or that are having digestive disturbances that can't be figured out because they might have had a seizure disorder at birth and their bodies in still a little bit of shock and their diaphragm isn't doing what it's supposed to do. So it, you know, everybody is so individual. That you can't really say that there's one group of people that i mean i think every baby should have a little bit of craniosacral therapy because it's you know birth is hard oh
1: gosh yeah that's um, in <laughs> itself we've all gone through right
0: exactly um so and also i do well, if i'm seeing people in my office i will often use kind of a um a shiatsu Cranial uh, acupuncture without needles and calm people down first so that they can be quiet. Okay. Because the most people come up come into my office or i work with online they're ramped up Mm -hmm. so we've got to get a ground going we've got to get it slowed down okay i can do that with my voice if i'm online with people i'm a meditation teacher as well so i can talk them down but my meditation is embodiment work so it's bringing them into their body feeling their feet working with their breath, I can see them, whether they're in my office or online, mm-hmm. and help them with their diaphragm movement, you can see when people are in their throat or in their jaw, or their eyes are tense. The beauty of connecting with the whole face is pretty amazing. And right now in my office, people do wear masks. So
1: okay.
0: Okay. Um, but I can see through them too, because it, it's more energetic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I work with people in all different ways. Sometimes if a mother brings in a baby, she holds the baby and I work with her and through her energy, we work on the baby. So there are so many ways that you can work, but you are holding a field. And I don't mean that in a woo-woo way. Mm -hmm. You know, people have called me new age with an attitude, really, Uh... Um, because I am, I've studied a lot of anatomy and physiology and a lot of biology and science because I love it Mm -hmm. so I am very grounded in science but I also know that there's so much more to what we are and what we see if we can just slow down Mm -hmm. and actually notice what's here
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: Um, whether it's on in the sky or in the, the field around you Um, so it, and we have an electromagnetic field that's wider than just it's outside of our skin. So if I can get people kind of in that, all of a sudden they're not in the pain or in their body cramped up, they have a wider space to to notice what's actually going on and they have room to breathe and then we can start working on explaining to them actually what their diaphragm is Mm -hmm. where it is how it works where and most people think their stomach is in their small intestines so (laughs) we can understand where our organs are these beautiful things that your organs are doing but in a very accessible way Mm -hmm. And so, and also I'm a health coach, so I help people, I think probably a little bit like you do, Mm -hmm. really understand what they can do to surround their lives in things that help them be in self-care and be in their body, have a job they enjoy, have purpose Mm -hmm. that really serves them and others, and, and not be around people that are punitive or, or you know, hop on to the internet too often or listen to what others are saying beyond getting some information that you can then process through your own slow, calm channel.
1: So, so it's really, you're, you're getting people to quiet down, quiet that signal and noise, pay attention, but really looking at it from everything, every aspect of what influences your mind, body and spirit, because correct. it's never just one thing. Right. So it's absolutely never one thing. <laughs> right. So when you um, when you're working in person with people. Um, and you decide that the Shiatsu or or the craniosacral therapy is the modality that you want to go into. Is this a hands-on thing? Is this a hands above like Reiki? Is it, you know, how is the, tell me a little bit more about the, the, the energy movement.
0: It is hands-on. Um, now if people are ultra sensitive, I can work hands off I have also studied Reiki, but Again, it's all the same energy that we're talking about, um, and the same field. I also, you know, the gut is my specialty, so I do work on people's bellies, and I teach them how to create peristalsis so that they can poop every day, and we work with different tissues um, that surround Um, the large and small intestine, and we work kind of pumping things and detoxing things, but in an extremely gentle way. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I've written a couple of books that help people. um, Unwinding the Belly was our, my husband and I wrote a book in 2003, and we updated it in 2018. And we put more in about the microbiome, and about all of these wonderful things that you can do for yourself, for your health. Because we believe, and I believe in my office as well, that anything I do, I want people to be able to do for themselves.
1: Oh yeah, that's um, so so key. I mean, I think that's that's really foundational for the work that a lot of us try to do. Right? It's it's not it's empowerment, as I mentioned yes. before. I will put a link to the the book um, and your website on here so people can get that. And you know, all of this stuff. Every single time I talk to someone, honestly, when I, when I moved into health coaching from speech pathology, I thought, you know, I'm leaving all this speech stuff behind and I'm <laughs> be a health coach. And, but I, now I realize so many different things that I could have done and that, you know, my, I keep saying, I'd like to make a course for speech therapists that includes all of these different practices and how to wow, your people because as you just said you know the whole digestive system the gut also you mentioned swallowing right that's a that's a 90 of what my therapy was with people yet i didn't feel like it was very effective it really wasn't i think we were ramping people up and we weren't bringing them down a little bit so i hear you it's so good to hear all of the different reasons why people might come to see you and the energy work that you might be doing so let's talk a little bit about um you know, how how you get people into that place where they start to have that, that you're doing that somatic work, right? They're getting mm-hmm. a sense of how do I feel my body? How do I pay attention to something that I've been essentially mad at or ignoring or traumatized by for a long time?
0: Um, I think the key, key right there is that you have to start where the person is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, there's not an agenda.
1: Right. Oh, agenda, yeah yeah
0: agenda is not my favorite word
1: well people always um, ask what's your protocol what do you do when you work with someone and i say i you know i really can't tell you that because everybody's different like there is no like first day we do this second day we do this then we do that no, it doesn't no work absolutely yeah. you do
0: of course have a huge huge background of techniques and modalities. And, you know, every minute of your life is contributing to what you're able to offer to somebody. And it's always growing. I might be 65, but I am always studying something else. And, you know, it's, and also we're learning more. You know, it's like amazing, right. um, so there's always something new, but when somebody comes in, the first thing I do is I spend at least half an hour to 45 minutes. People have filled out a form, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a friendly form, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: um, and we just go over their history, but we don't only go over why they're in my office. We go over, what was it like to be a little kid? Mm-hmm do you does, do you know anything about your birth and about your mom and about her childhood and yes. <laughs> you know we kind of explore the ancestry the you know not necessarily the genetics
1: but of growth Oh, we just cut out a little bit. Oh, did bit. we? Okay. Might have still recorded, but I didn't hear it. You said not just genetics, but. Not just you-
0: genetics, but the way the genetics actually came into the epigenetics. Like, That's what genetics. was the development like? Yeah. Um, what did, you know, we get, we pass down things that aren't only chromosomes and, you know, DNA, RNA, all this stuff. We actually pass down fears, mm-hmm. habits, mm-hmm. food choices. Yeah. So, I like to find out what you were brought up with and I honor all of it. It's like I would never give people a diet. Um, I just have never gone there with I love food so much and I love <laughs> so many cultures foods. I mean, I'm just a foodie and I've, okay. and I love to cook. Um, okay. But so I want to have people excited in food, actually, and in their own food. And I don't want to take their food away from them. But I want to understand why their choice, what their choices are, how those choices are supporting them in everything, in the way they walk, run, exercise. And so we try to figure out, really what the what the barrier is to the better health and is there something like well i'm exhausted but i'm running marathons every week you know like are there that's things that. that are contraindicated or don't right. you know, counterintuitive and i don't say well that's wrong i say wow that's really interesting you yeah. know let's find out about your cortisol and about you know what's really happening in your body so that we can help you maybe slow down those marathons for now, and you can get back to them, but we might have to build and, and heal a little bit before you can. So I, again, it's, it's never, we're gonna do this, 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 and this. And then with the body work, it's always after I've taken that real in, introduction and I've gotten to know them, and, you know, I really want to say that I, I've been around for over 35 years in the Bay Area where I am. Oh, yeah. um, and my books have been around since 2003. So people that contact me have either been seriously referred to me by psychiatrists or doctors or um, mm-hmm. therapists or people that have worked with me. Okay. So I'm very lucky. I don't I've never advertised and people will walk in going, I know you can help me. I don't have to prove anything, which could be very challenging for any, um, person that's a practitioner. But I also uh, try to explain to them from the get-go, let's not have any expectations. Mm -hmm. We're not looking at a goal. We're actually looking at a process. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to start out in the first session is I'm just going to be with your body. I'm going to, work on your back with this acupuncture with no needles, you know, acupressure, shiatsu, whatever you know. I wanna make it familiar and comfortable for people. Um, uh, And then I'm going to turn you over, I might do your arms and your legs in the same way, then I'm going to work with your belly, and we're going to look at your diaphragm, we're going to see where your psoas muscles are, particularly if you're having back problems, Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk a little bit at that point with your breath, and we're going to just give you a little bit that you can take home with you to start out with. And then I'm just going to hold different places in your body. I might just be at your sacrum. I might move my hands behind your heart, behind your diaphragm. I might end up at your vagus area in in your lower um, occiput in your head. I don't I don't know where I'm going to be when it comes to holding you. Your body is going to invite me. I'm not going to force myself or impose myself. And so after the first session very often little teeny miracles might take place because people are they're they're receiving. Mm-hmm. People mostly easily receive because they trust me and they've mm-hmm. been referred. But also it's really relaxing. Right. I, I don't push the envelope ever and I there's a depth to it but there's not You know, I'm not doing deep tissue massage. Let's put it that way. And people fall asleep or suddenly they go, oh my God, that's, that's where it is. And it, I can feel it shifting. You know, they, they engage with it or they say, God, I'm really frightened about this. This is bringing up some tears and we slow it down and we work with what's there. And with that might be it. We just might be together and move through a piece of history Mm. that is very challenging that we have to kind of, you know, people aren't allowed mostly in this culture to grieve very long or to be scared Mm -hmm. for very, like you gotta go keep going, right? Right, not in my my office. In my office, there's time. Um, And also I am open to people emailing me and checking in with me because you just can't leave it at that when you're dealing with such deep work and and people need you so yeah
1: so tell me a little bit so i you know based on whoever's listening to this they may not understand this idea of what you said there's a little piece of history there right (laughs) so let's talk a little bit about how trauma or history or anything that you might experience can embed itself within your body within the energy of your body yeah a little bit about that
0: yeah it's kind of what i spoke about before about the tissues when I, when we were talking about craniosacral therapy, when you have an injury, for instance, um, let's say you have a car accident and all of a sudden you slam on your brakes and, you know, your bag opens and your life gets saved. And afterwards you say, wow, for a minute there, I, I, I blacked out. I I don't even know where I was, but Mm -hmm. your body knew where you were. Right. And it went into a form of hypervigilance, shock, shutdown. I mean, there are so many things that happen, but you, you braced, right? <gasps> or you didn't. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever the, the response was to an emergency, and there are many, many emergencies there are emotional emergencies, there are abuse emergencies. And there are also skiing emergencies or, you know, just there are times where it's just or there's ongoing emergency where you're actually drinking three espressos a day to keep yourself hyper alert because everything is in the red light, right? It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to die every minute. And I mean, let's look where we are now. Everybody is terrified. So what does that do to the body? it, Mm -hmm. it gets the body bracing. That's why people aren't sleeping. Well, Mm -hmm. they're either shutting down or they're always on all the time. When you're on all the time, certain chemicals respond, Mm -hmm. cortisol is up. And if your cortisol is up, your blood sugar changes, Um, everything changes in your body, but your muscles and your connective tissues grip and brace or they can become flaccid and they're not supporting areas. Uh, okay. Yeah. So the history, the little bit of history that comes up is uh, that tissue around my heart is making me like, want to ball and cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, some people will say, Oh my God, I just, I feel like crying, but kind of that hurts a little bit. And I, I'm having trouble breathing, it's like, I, I hear you. We're gonna mm-hmm. slow it all down. Yes. I'm just gonna remove my hands right now and I'm gonna touch your shoulder. Yeah. And I want to maybe feel your feet and let's get back into your breath. And how about if I put my hands on your rib cage and we breathe a little bit, slow it down so that those tissues that have been bracing and speeding up can be welcomed into the slowing down can understand that whatever that was, that that event or the series of event or the years and years of events, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not happening right now. You're here with me. We are safe Being and present. we're gonna do a little teensy-weensy piece of this. We're not solving this puzzle. Right, right. not one and done. No <laughs> way, we're just gonna understand that it's there and that it needs to be attended to and loved and connected with, and that there's no judgment. Mm-hmm. It's not bad that it happened.
1: Right, um, right.
0: And it's not happening now, but how do we then bridge how mm-hmm. to have you walk back into your life where you don't have to carry it around? It did happen and it's never gonna not happen. This is no. the one thing I think is important to understand about trauma. You know, no. trauma happened. But how do we learn how to open the space again Mm -hmm. and understand that sometimes somebody looks at us in a certain way that reminds us of that trauma? We can slow down, take a deep breath and go, wow, that was then and this is now. And maybe this isn't a good place for me to be. Or maybe if this is my spouse that's making that expression, (laughs) I can say, do you know what that expression reminds me of? Oh, Could we yeah. sit down and talk about that right now? Wow, I had no idea. I'm sorry that I yell at you sometimes because that is why. And so, you know, you open the relationships, you open up how to live better now, and how okay. to let other people understand why you're upset. And then they can be welcomed into doing the
1: same. Oh, this is really, really deep work. And, and I think too, like, I like how you're explaining the the history and how it it sort of settles in your body and the response that your body has and holds on to. Um, and, and talking about that as um, sort of the response to an emergency. And there's also responses to things that don't seem so much like an emergency. Um, you know, it's not a car accident. Right. It's not, you know, um, abuse. It's not anything major because there's so much minimizing and so much. Oh, that that's really not a big deal. But but I think there are other things that are that people wouldn't perceive as emergencies that can also make your body brace and Absolutely. hold up to that. So talk a little bit about those smaller things. Those
0: smaller things happen every moment of every day. You know, mm. I mean, you're in the car and somebody is texting while they're driving and they come really close to the back of your car and you have to be on alert the whole time you're driving because you don't know what's going to be happening. And
1: mm-hmm. this
0: becomes habitual because every time you go out, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people. Every time you go out, you're like, okay, I'm gonna be driving now. And yes. I have to really be com- I mean, you're always alert anyway. I am right. I've never had a car accident, but I've seen them and but I've all I've been close because yes. you just can see things happening. You have to be prepared. And I breathe deeply while I drive. Oh, I learned that really early on.
1: Um, you lived in New York, and exactly. The- I mean, walking—you
0: learned it really hard. <laughs> right. And plus, you were you were you were never waiting for a red light, a green light to walk across the street. Why would you do that? So, um, you know, my dad would kind of drag my. I'd say it's red light. Well, so what? And you know, we'd be crossing the street. Those are emergencies. It's like, oh, okay, we're we're going to walk against the red light. And of course, you get used to it. But there is that that subtle, yeah. very subtle bracing. Yeah. So these bracings happening all the time, like it's dinner time. And you know what? I, I don't wanna eat as much as I've been eating. That's a that's a teeny little tender yeah. place. Or, right. oh, somebody's coming home and they're not gonna be in a good mood. Or, mm-hmm. or so many people that, especially nowadays, they're dealing with children that have not been in school,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: they've have them home all day. This is an emergency, believe me, I work with a lot of mamas. Um, They have autistic children or children with ADHD or they're trying to find ways every minute of every day to love and connect and help their children up against a society that has their ideas of what that help would be those are little tiny emergencies we could go on and just like i said at the beginning the western medicine model is also that it's like well uh, can we this be about me actually no it can't be about you Right. Um, it's, it's about what we know is best for you. And it's like, okay, could we couple those things together? Because I do know you have some information for me, but I would right, like right. to be configured into it. Could we take two more minutes mm-hmm. to just slow down? Because yeah. if you don't get those two minutes, it becomes one of those little emergencies
1: again. And it doesn't happen, right? And so, so that's a beautiful explanation as well. So let's now kind of pull that into the gut microbiome and some other things that we know are very, very much connected to what you're talking about with the vagus nerve and the energy and that all of, all of what goes on in our bodies with that mind, body, spirit, gut, brain connection.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, the health of your gut is one of the most important basic things of your body because so much is going on in there to feed your brain. Mm-hmm. More from there to your brain than from your brain to your gut. Your neurotransmitters live there. I think they're saying now, I mean, it does change this information on a daily basis. Um, so, you you know, I, I don't think we should over-focus anymore on it. It's like, it's everything. It's like, well, yeah, you're a bunch of bacteria. And we know that now. It's your whole body, okay. right? You know, you're yeah. bacteria. And how can we keep that balanced? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not rocket science it Mm -hmm. is just common sense also uh, your own common sense like what can really feed me that's not going to make me sick and what's going to keep good bacteria thriving you actually need the quote unquote bad bacteria You know, these, they're all just little guys in there trying to do what they need to do. And they're swimming around (laughs) trying to find a balance because some of these guys that we're calling, oh my God, that's not a good thing. They are actually taking things away that shouldn't be there. So there's a balance of bacteria in your gut that is going to help you become you. It's going to help you assimilate your food. It's going to help you have a lining to your small intestine, where you do your major assimilation. It's kind of your food factory. Should I stay or should I go? And if I do stay, where should I go in your body? That's going to best become the best of you. So we need a a lining that's kind of um, permeable on some level because things are going to leave the small intestine and go out into the bloodstream. But we also need it to be strong enough So things that shouldn't come into the bloodstream don't come out. So there are little junctures um, Mm -hmm. in the membrane and the cellular structure of the membrane that can unfortunately get degraded Mm -hmm. and then you become too permeable. It's like holes in your cheesecloth, and you can't keep anything um, out. That you know, you're not going to have a very good bread or a very good recipe because you have these chunks of things instead of all this nice stuff that's been broken down, so that you can make a good cake or whatever
1: you're making. So, and that stress response uh, is is a driver of that in completely. a lot of ways. So and people don't realize that. Exactly. If you have high
0: cortisol, Mm -hmm. you're going to stress the permeability. There's just no way. That's Mm -hmm. it. And I think it's one of the biggest things that we're missing because everybody's talking about food and diet. And I have to say, besides white sugar and, and most processed things, I say, you know, if it agrees with you, eat it. You're an individual, you know. I'm not a red meat eater, but if that ha- it's that good for you and you eat it in a moderate way, and mm-hmm. in a, a, a way where it's it's, you know, it's raised properly, um, <laughs> and kindly, then I say, wow. You know, I don't have a for or against anything, yeah. and I don't have a label actually, even for the way I eat. There is no label. It's what agrees with me, and yeah. therefore. I'm not going to be stressed about my food, and also in my environment, even though it is way challenging in today's world, I am going to do things for myself that slow myself down, calm down, particularly after something very exciting happens, so that my stress isn't going to cause my gut to be permeable. Right. Um, Because we all are dealing with that, actually. And that's something that isn't widely spoken about or understood.
1: Right. I think that's a really important piece of it, um, which is why I think the work that you do is so, so critically important. I'll often refer my my people to, um, you know, acupuncture or craniosacral therapy or any of the energy modalities, because it really, people don't realize until they actually get into it. And then I'll have clients come back to me and say, you know, I just feel so much better and my guts feeling better. And they're like, is, is there really a connection? Oh, yeah, <laughs> sure is. Because in Western medicine, we would, we don't talk about that we separate everything out. And it's like a system here and a system there. But in functional medicine, it's a systems biology. So we know how that impacts your guts ability to digest food and produce digestive enzymes and keep that barrier intact and allow you to you know and especially before a meal right so if you're rushing and eating yes um, which happens right i know i yeah, it we're ha- human happens to me right i probably absolutely I, I my promise before i got on the show with you right <laughs> i love that and because we are human mm-hmm.
0: if we can take time to eat our food and we can slow it down and it is, you know, oh wow, this is my time to take a deep breath, to look at this beautiful bounty on my plate, mm. to enjoy and here we go back with to your work. Right. Chew fully. Swallow. Don't yeah. only swallow, feel the yumminess of that food going down your throat. Feel yeah. how it goes into your belly. You you don't have to take that next bite yet because you get to process the first bite and boy does that feel good i mean it's just delish
1: it's totally amazing how that really makes a huge difference it's the simplest thing you can do Mm -hmm. and i had someone else on the um the show who is a guru in pelvic health And so we talked all about poop and, you know, constipation and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was her first recommendation, which I know. And I said, you got that from your speech therapist friends, right? (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Like you just slow down and you chew more. Which is the first
0: part of digestion.
1: Absolutely. Those digestive enzymes are formed in your mouth. So if you do that, like, and... You know that doesn't cost anything no you don't have to take any fancy supplements you can no. just slow down but you also have to make the choice yes. and realize how important it is and how it affects all the rest of what's going on in your body it affects your you know all the digestion but it affects your sleep it affects your stress level it affects everything so that that's an important piece of it so so you know when you work with people and they come to you with gut issues and you start you know talking about all these other things that they think are disconnected i know you have the luxury of having patients who are interest or that understand that connection likely before they even get to you Yes. Um, but do you have some people that you really have to educate around how that connection is formed and and you know how do you do that how do you help them understand um, and actually see it and get actionable on those things that make it better.
0: Uh, you know, first of all, the, I think one of the most important things is is that I don't make them wrong. I don't make them feel that they have any lack of knowledge whatsoever. Um, it's not about that. I make it exciting and I make it like, wow, let's be curious about this because you might not have ever understood this or nobody brought this to your attention or Gee, isn't it funny how we don't learn that? I didn't know that either. You know, it's like, how can you and I be on the same level here? Yeah. And yes, there are many, many people because I deal with so many different problems, whether people have autoimmunity or there are babies that have had seizure disorders, or I mean, there are just so many things and people who have had cancer or people that are just on antidepressants or are having real emergencies in their mental health mm-hmm. how can we do it it's first of all we just we we're heart to heart i listen deeply about what is actually happening in their lives and i mm-hmm. can bring up a situation that they're dealing with and 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 ask them to wonder what would happen if or if mm-hmm. i change that or would you be willing to try this? Because I think this could be something that would help you. I also have you know, I draw, not well, I draw (laughs) things so I can show people what a gut lining looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have books up the wazoo and I can show them pictures of how they actually work and what a complex system they are and -hmm. that this isn't one step and that you're done and so I help again it's a lot about let me show you how intelligent you are that you can easily be educated in this and it can shift everything um and then I also take them into my kitchen I show them what's in my pantry I suggest things that they might want to you want to try this because this would and this is where I get it and I do the same thing online with people it's like how can I engage you in and it would, it feels easy and it's nothing that you did wrong or you didn't know about. It's just this exciting thing that's out there that might be new to
1: you. New connection. And, and I can see the, the health coach training that you've had because it's, you're asking the questions, right? A good health coach asks questions like, well, what do you think would happen if you tried X, Y, Z, or what are you willing to do?
0: Exactly. It's, it is all about that, isn't it? yeah
1: Exactly. It's not, it's not a top-down model. It's not that you have all the information. It's, you know, I'm going to help you kind of look at your body in a different way, but you know, your body way more than I do. Bingo. And so, yes. Bingo.
0: Yes. Number yes. one thing. And every, want- <laughs> it's true. Every single person that comes to me that I say to them, well, it's your body and you're going to give me the information. So anytime you're not comfortable. Anytime you need to tell me something, you're the one, right? Right.
1: And that's a big flip. That's really, I think the work that we're doing as well is helping people to start to think more about rather than I'm going to go somebody and they're going to go to somebody and they're going to fix me. I'm going to learn from that person and I'm going to start to learn about my body more and I'm going to figure out what I can do. And that's always the most exciting time for me when a, a client comes back and says, wow, I I just learned that in this different situation, I could use this tool that I had in my toolbox and I used it here. And boy, it was such a different outcome for me and it was so much better. And I'm always like, oh, this is so great. It's exciting
0: and wonderful.
1: Yeah, it's like expanding that knowledge and taking those tools and problem solving and figuring out how do I adjust this for my personal situation? Yes. So that's great, I love it, I love it so one of the things when we first talked was that you um you mentioned maybe taking people through um like a, a little practice um maybe if you could do that um in in a few minutes we could we could share that with the listeners and they would have a takeaway that they Absolutely. could kind of obviously they'll that with the caveat of Probably don't do this while you're driving. If you're listening <laughs> to podcasts podcast yes. while you're driving. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: and that is the point of slowing down, isn't it? Can you find some space for yourself? Yes. Even if it's two minutes. I think right. that's the other important thing. When people say to me, I just cannot meditate. I can't fit it in. Or it's not comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, well, you know, touche to you. you. You know who you are. I like to offer people to think about how about if you set your alarm, if you use an alarm five minutes earlier and you spend the first two to five minutes breathing before you get out of bed. Mm -hmm. How about when you get into bed before, and hopefully you don't have your computer with you. And if you do, that's okay too, that, you know, (laughs) but how about when you close the computer and you turn off the light, you breathe for two minutes. It's like we can find places that work for us.
1: Absolutely, I would agree. Doctor, one of the things that I um, got from Dr. Michael Gervais, who's I think out in your way anyway, he's a sports psychologist and he does a lot of meditative and mindful practices with people all day long. So one of his practices is in the morning before he gets out of bed, before he even moves, You know that sensation of being awake, you're lying in bed, you, you take a minute or two to really set an intention for the day and think about how do I want to be more present today? What can I bring to my day that would be best for me and the people that I interact with? That's so beautiful. that's kind of what you're saying. I, I am that.
0: saying that, but I'm saying it less cognitively and less imagination and more embodied. I'm uh, saying, what? how do I feel on my bed right now? Can oh. I feel my back on my yeah. mattress? Yeah, Can I actually be inside of my body and feel how I slept? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is my heart beating fast? Here's our, actually, (laughs) here's like, I'm talking you through the piece that we can do. What is it like for anybody that's listening where you are right now either sitting in a chair or lying on your bed or even lying on the floor? Can you feel yourself? Can you notice where your feet are? Are you in your feet? Can you even know you have feet? Mm. And all of it's okay, no matter what you find. There's no right or wrong here. And there's no prize. There's just, you know, the, the gift of being with yourself. Yeah. So can you feel your feet? If you're lying down or you're against a chair, Can you feel your back against that chair? Can you feel your seat? And can you sink down into your whole pelvic floor and be with the way your body is? You might feel that your shoulders are starting to relax because you're in your lower body. You're on the ground. You might feel on the ground, relaxed in your chest, your jaw can start to relax. Your eyes can start to soften. All of these parts of you can you can just alight upon for one to five seconds and notice where you're holding your tension. Softening your eyes, softening your cheeks, softening your jaw and your throat, noticing that your shoulders can just drop. Or if they can't, just noticing that too. Whatever is there, we notice. Can you hear the sound of your heartbeat? Can you notice that you breathe in and you breathe out? And what pace you're breathing? Is there space between the inhale and the exhale? And is there space between the exhale and the inhale? Because when you breathe in, you have this big, beautiful becoming, this new moment of being, this noticing, this being alive, this inspiration. And you want to be with that. You don't want to rush it. When you exhale, You're processing that moment, then you're letting go of it, and then you're resting at the bottom of that breath. You're taking a pause so that the next moment isn't the same as the previous moment. So that we are continuing to see, to expand, and to just be gifted by the light, by the sounds, by the connections of what's here now, not what was here in the last breath. And we need space for that. So just feel your breath. It, now that perhaps your feet are on the ground, now that perhaps your back is relaxing, and you know you have one, you're not all forward, you're actually in your back, in your seat, your shoulders are relaxed, you're softened, so that you're heartbeat, if it's speeding up right now, you just say, I hear you. I'm not going to try to make you do anything, but I do hear you. And, and since your diaphragm, and your heart rest together, Mm -hmm. as you breathe, and you slow down the breath in a gentle way, that's right for you. You can slow down your heart, because they work together. So
1: here we are. That's beautiful. That's a really great practice. And I think even doing that for that short period of time, thinking in that way, midday, after yes. you have a stressful meeting, or, you know, right before you eat, exactly. or in the transition of work to home, any of those times are really great times to just embed something like that. And really disperse some of the stress that maybe your body has taken on throughout the day.
0: That is so beautifully said. And that word transition, it is all in the transitions. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people give themselves time to have transitions. Mm -hmm. You know, you're racing somewhere and you just run out of the car and go, how about feel the wheel, feel your feet, either starting the car that's what i tell people when they leave my office actually don't feel the wheel just don't you're slow they're fast so just feel the wheel and get ready to make the transition and the same thing is when you arrive somewhere oh i'm going there and i'm leaving here even though i was just listening to npr whatever you know (laughs) now i'm going to be here and i'm going to go there same with oh my husband's or my wife or my partner or my friend hi hi I'm here now. I've made that transition. It could be literally 30 seconds.
1: Yes. A few yeah. breaths. Mm-hmm. A
0: few feeling of, oh, my feet are on the
1: ground now. So what we need to do is is just empower more people with this because you come from this place of doing those things in your day and then you enter into a society that generally doesn't do that stuff. Correct. And so it's, it's a real struggle for most people to keep that sense of being grounded and present. And um, I mean, it's not going to happen 100% of the time all day long, right? Because, you know, that just isn't how life is. We need that variation. But I also think um, just kind of getting people to think more about that and surrounding yourself with the people that are thinking that way um, rather than the ones that are just go, 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 go all the time and, and not slowing.
0: Absolutely. I I have to say, listening to you, you're the people that work with you are really lucky. Um, No, because, you know, it's really important. And you can I can actually, as an embodiment person, I can feel you hear you and see you in that embodiment, you are slow. And I don't mean that I mean that in a good way. No, I know. I know. It wasn't always that way. You're I know, like, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're none of us and we're not always that way, but you are you have the ability and the facility to do that, which means when you share that with your clients they can learn from you. We have to be role models. We can't just be, which right. we find also happens in in our community as well as in any other community where everybody's like rushing and they have their agenda even in the functional community. So right. so right. I, I have to say it's such a pleasure to have a conversation with you.
1: Oh, thank you. It's a real pleasure to have a conversation with you. Absolutely. And the practice that you led us through I think is such a really good nugget for people to take from this. And that's really what I want this podcast to be is, is that people can listen to these conversations and say, Ooh, there's something I can pull into exactly. my everyday life yes. and remind myself to do it. And it's going to make a difference, even though it's a small thing, it's a huge shift for a lot of people. And it will make a big difference. Chew a little more and take a little more away. <laughs> Very good, beautiful. Excellent. So, a- Allison, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and I'm I'm just really um, grateful that you took the time to be here and that you could share this with people. What I'm going to do also um, is I'll I'll add a lot of things, um, links to the show notes, but tell people how they can find you if they want to. I know that your services are in demand. You um, you practice what you preach, and you don't you know pack your schedule really At busy. All. So, you've got quite a waiting list, but how could people get a hold of you if they wanted to work with you?
0: They just can pop on my website, allisonpost.com. It's all is on is Allison, A L L I S O N P O S T. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, and everything is on the website.
1: Okay. Perfect. I will send people there and I really hope to have maybe more conversations with you and dig into f- future things. That would be lovely. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Okay. There you have it. Now, as I listened again to this conversation, getting ready to edit and upload, I again was caught by all of the wisdom and support that this brought to my understanding of how we can be empowered to heal our own bodies through the work of people like Allison. So thanks for listening, and be sure to check the show notes for links to her website, books, and other nuggets we discussed in this episode. See you in two weeks for another episode of Full Capacity Living Podcast. Thanks.